0: Hi, right, welcome to a wet replay.
1: Uh,
0: in my last interview uh, in Wet Podcast episode number 49 with Rob Skiff, we got into a lot of uh, interesting territory about um, about the plight of adjunct workers and uh, the situation that a lot of people find themselves in post-PhD. And after re-listening to that episode, which I urge you to listen to if you haven't already, uh, it's, it's wet49, you can find it at thewetpodcast.com. I started thinking about this interview I did last year with uh, Alan Trevithick where uh, we were talking about National Adjunct Walkout Day last year uh, in February of 2015. And it occurred to me that a lot of what he had to say was directly relevant to what uh, Dr. Skiff had to say last week and some of the discussions that we got into. Uh, I also know that I have uh, some new listeners, uh, people who might not have been listening uh, last year in February. So I thought I'd do a replay for you of the interview with Alan Trevithick, uh, just to kind of dovetail with the discussion I had with, with Rob Skiff last week. In this interview, we talked about all kinds of different things surrounding adjunct labor, and the idea that a lot of people don't even know that this is a problem, or if they do, they don't know the solution to it. And We talk about potential solutions, we talk about actions that people can take, uh, but mostly I want to replay this interview because I feel like it's an issue that is relevant not only to educators, but also to parents, to students, and to anybody who thinks about higher ed at all. Uh, The labor conditions of most of the people who teach in higher ed directly impacts students parents um everybody who is at all thinking about college or thinking about sending kids to college and it impacts us on a a very on a large scale so i thought it would be interesting to kind of revisit this so you can listen to it if you hadn't heard it already this was episode number 22 of the wet podcast um all of the show notes for the original interview are um, are at the Wet podcast you just find episode 22 there are a lot of links that we mentioned and they're all there on the uh, on the show notes and i'll put a link in the show notes to the replay to those show notes on the episode so uh, yeah so i hope you under, i hope you enjoy this this is the first time i've done a replay uh, i just thought it would be good to group these together a little bit uh, into uh, into a little track, I guess. Uh, there are some other episodes where we talk about these sorts of things. Uh, my very first episode with Audrey Waters, we talk a little bit about this, I believe. With my interview with uh, Jen Polk in episode number 46, we talk about this. So it's kind of a little higher ed labor conditions track if you're uh, interested in such things. And even if you don't think you're interested, you might find this interesting anyway. Uh, it sheds a lot of light on uh, on a very important and pressing issue. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Emarsh. And you can go to my website at ericmarshall.net or find the show notes for this podcast at thewetpodcast.com. And WET stands for Writing, Education, and Education and technology enjoy the interview Trevithick, of um, you're at Fordham University.
1: I'm at three universities actually: Fordham, LaGuardia University, CUNY, and uh, West uh, Westchester Community College, which is SUNY.
0: Okay, and uh, we'll definitely talk about that while you're at several universities. Because today we want to talk about um, adjunct issues and and kind of issues of teaching in the university. And I want we're going to talk about some things that, um, that some people in the audience will probably be quite aware of, and some people will not. And I think that for those who uh, are not aware of the issues that go on with teaching at the university level, this might be really eye-opening. Um, and for those who already know about it, it might give you some food for thought. Um, and the occasion you know, of us talking is is the uh, upcoming National Adjunct uh, Walkout Day and National Adjunct, uh, I think it's called Awareness Week or Action Week, depending on uh, who, you, who you ask. So <laughs> that said, um, you know, I, I asked you on to the show because you, you've been vocal in a lot of different, um, I guess, arenas in talking about adjunct issues. So um, where should we start?
1: Well, why don't we start with talking about uh, the the problem, which is something yeah. that has uh, accelerated over 40 years. I think we're in uh, kind of the final acceleration of a process that has uh, uh, been very damaging to faculty part-time and, and full-time both, and it started back in maybe the Early seventies and it's ongoing today. It's basically just the uh, replacement of uh, decent full-time faculty positions with very poorly paid, very badly supported part-time faculty positions, adjunct or faculty positions, to the point where you know we get anywhere from fifty to sixty up percent of faculty at a given college and university who uh, are simply not able to make a living at that one institution and have to work elsewhere and and what this is doing to higher education altogether i think that's the subject
0: yeah absolutely and i think that um it you said 50 60 percent up i mean it's way up in some places uh in terms of part-time workers Um,
1: what uh, what about you eric do you know what percent it it is uh, where you're working now
0: you know, I should have been prepared for that question, <laughs> but i I don't know. I don't know what it is that you didn't want to look. Uh, actually, I can look. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look. I have been at places, though, uh, especially community colleges, where where it's it's approaches ninety percent, where it's it's above eighty. Um, yeah,
1: uh, certainly, certainly at Westchester Community College, which is one of the places where I work. It's uh, it's and and um, in the CUNY system generally, I couldn't say for the whole system. I think at LaGuardia Community College, it's uh, definitely uh, sixty or, or so percent. But yes, that's the trend, you know. And yeah. it's worse at community colleges than than elsewhere.
0: Yeah, very, very much so. I've I've been in a couple community colleges where, in the, the particular department I'm in, there's only one or two uh, full timers, and everybody else is part time.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, one, one place that you can look, I mean, we might mention this uh, for your listeners, which is that if you just Google MLA, Modern Language Association, and you get their main website, which is just MLA.org, this isn't a plug for the MLA, you understand, but, and you, uh, and you scroll down in the middle of the page, it says advocacy. mm In the middle of that page where it says advocacy, it says Academic Workforce Data Center. Excellent, yeah. You click on that and you type in your institution uh, and uh, it will give you a view of what has been happening in your institution in terms of full-time tenure track or tenured faculty and non-tenured track faculty part-time and and full-time. It's really easy. You see, they've crunched it for you on there, the, the MLA site, from the federally reported uh, numbers, which are not always accurate, by the way, because some of these people, uh, some of these colleges, really, they don't tell the truth. Uh, right. <laughs> but, it's, but, it, but it's pretty close to what's going on. And, and then you can see they have numbers on that MLA site from 1995 until 2009 yeah and uh so that's about kind of half of the 40 year period that we're talking about i would say uh and it's the latter half where things have gotten really bad and uh i just for instance looked up my one of my own places again it's westchester community college and in 95 it says um there were uh You know, 23% uh, that were tenure-track faculty, Uh, and uh, these days it says it's 40% uh, tenure-track faculty. And that's the source of my complaint that uh, some of these people don't tell the truth, because actually (laughs) uh, it's... it's uh, back at 20% or something like that. Uh, okay. okay. Anyway, have a look at that. Uh, it's just a very easy way for you to find out what's going on in your institution. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking
0: at that right now for uh, University of Michigan-Dearborn, which is where I teach. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing um, tenured and tenure track. It says it went up from 1995 to 2009 from 31% to 36%. Could be. You know? Yeah, it could be, and then the full and part time non tenure track went down from ten to seven percent for full time. Oh, okay, and then for part time, oh, it's still at fifty. Oh, it's forty six point nine percent right now. It's still down from ninety five, but it's still forty six percent. That's interesting, huh? Okay, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting number, but it's still fully half. You know? And yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, and I know that you know if i 'm sure if i t- uh, typed in some of the community colleges i've worked at it'd be the numbers would be much much different as well and you know when we say i i, I say part time faculty some people use the term adjunct um it, it's It's different in different places as well um Some people use the word contingent faculty, but what we 're talking about is is people who teach at the college or university level right who are not um on a tenure track and who are usually not full-time employees, right? Is that a good uh, definition?
1: Um, Yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, Another way of thinking about it is that any adjunct or contingent faculty member is a person who somehow or another does not enjoy the full traditional benefit of being a full-time traditional uh, faculty member in uh, the kinds of colleges and universities that we you know, we remember from from the past. And there's a whole variety of um, possibilities of falling short of that traditional full-time tenured uh, category. Uh, And they're all bad, but some of them are much worse than others. And so when you hear the term part-time adjunct, a person is a part-time adjunct very often because they're not allowed to work more than, Uh, so many classes per semester at a particular place. So there's an artificial barrier to them working. Uh, But there are other faculty who are contingent faculty who may be allowed to take a full time course load, uh, but they're never going to be able to get tenure and they are probably paid at a much lower uh, rate and their benefits may be uh, considerably less if they have benefits Again, I tend to use the part-time adjunct faculty member as a kind of the gold standard (laughs) for thinking about the exploitation of faculty. Yeah. Uh, Because they're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. And I would say that, again, over about 40 years, they're the fastest growing uh, segment uh, of the faculty as well. So one rather grim way to think about it would be uh, that's where we're all headed in faculties if we don't get our act together.
0: Yeah, that's 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 one way to to look at it. It does seem to be the trend.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely, without without question. Yeah, and you know, and, there again, there are some things that you can look at here that um, you know will will help you uh, and your, your listeners have a look. If you Google the name of this report who is professor staff, you're going to get some different articles on it.
0: And, <laughs> I love, uh, the, ti- I love I, the title. Yeah. Cause it has yeah. to do with so the, you fact the that joke, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because when, when adjuncts are listed on the schedule, they're usually listed as staff, right? Yes, that,
1: that's yeah. right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so this is something that, uh, uh, inspired, um, a group, including a group that uh, I'm uh, very much associated with new faculty majority uh, in uh, combination with another group called Center for the Future of Higher Education or Campaign for the Future of Higher Education. One of our problems in this ad, uh, adjunct advocacy business is we have too many uh, too many acronyms and, you yeah. know, whenever we're described, we're always described as a, a loose coalition and so forth. But this report, uh, again, called Who is Professor Staff and How Can This Person Teach So Many Classes, um, (laughs) is primarily put together uh, by uh, uh, the president of new faculty, majority, uh, and uh, various uh, people helping her out. That would be Maria Maisto, Steve Street, the late Steve Street, and Esther Mervis put this together. Any of your listeners... Who are not, you know, familiar with this problem, could have a look at who is Professor Staff and and learn quite a lot, uh, in a in a you know, in a kind of palatable, fairly easy to uh, digest way, pr- pretty quickly.
0: That's great, and I'll put an I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which excellent. Uh, okay. Yeah. People can find those at uh, ericmarshall.net slash wet, and I'll put it in the show notes for sure. So we'll have links to that and to the uh, MLA.org as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, it doesn't take much research, I think, on the part of, uh, you know, concerned people to figure out that this is a situation that uh, we we should be very concerned about. You know, again, over the last 40 years, what you see is – the absolute reversal of what you would think of as the normal circumstance. Uh, The normal circumstance would be that in universities and colleges, you have a majority faculty that is full-time, relatively well-supported and is able to devote their uh, working Uh, life and commitment to a particular institution to the benefit of the institution and, of course, the students. And you see this really flipped, you know, with with, uh, people, adjuncts, uh, beginning with uh, uh, teaching assistants, graduate student teaching assistants, and then moving on into these uh, adjunct positions that are very temporary. Most of them are one-semester types of, of positions. Uh, which create a lot of instability in the institution as a whole. And uh, it's a flip that uh, people are really unaware of. The policymakers are unaware of it. Politicians seem to be unaware of it. You know, at the moment and conventionally, both political parties, for instance, will point to higher education as a kind of pathway into the middle class or a way of maintaining one's middle class position or improving one's position. And the only argument that we have in the general uh, political domain is uh, how it should be uh, paid for. And that discussion completely ignores the fact that you have an increasingly impoverished faculty at the center of this Theoretically, highly cherished institution that is supposed to transform and improve people's lives.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. You know, you have you know everybody says college is the way, like you said, to the middle class life. Um, both sides of the ILP, you, you know, that's that's important to go to college. But when it comes to funding, the funding's not there, and when the funding is there, it's not necessarily for instruction. Um, we could talk about Scott Walker in Wisconsin if we wanted to, but we probably should probably stay away from that.
1: I, I, I'm i happy to say a little bit about uh, <laughs> what I call the governors, because mm-hmm. it, it's not just uh, uh, the governor of Wisconsin, is it? No, uh, no, it's not. We have a sort of um, unfortunately, we have a sort of passel of governors who are exactly, uh, ex- they exactly exemplify what I'm talking about. There are people who point to the benefits of education. And then with the other hand, they're very keen on withdrawing any kinds of, of resources.
0: Yes. And, sure.
1: and especially if if they regard instructional, uh, instructional staff, which is one of these ugly words for faculty. Right. And, if, and I kind of like the word faculty better than instructional staff.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, because faculty are clearly the traditional core of any kind of school. What kind of school would we be talking about? And Governor Scott and the others are big fans of the substitution of technology for people as well, in the interests of cutting costs and uh, and so forth. And they really have hijacked the... Um, The rhetoric about education. I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, There are things like uh, access, you know. Who who could be against access to to higher education? Access, opportunity, uh, opportunity, completion rates. Who could be against, you know, someone completing their college education? Right. Uh, But these terms, uh, you know, like access, opportunity, achievement, uh, we really have to kind of wrestle these terms back, I think, in in the faculty adjunct or otherwise in, in higher education. Uh, because we, we can't have other people kind of, shall we say, selling our services short um, and not allowing us to have any input yeah. in, into uh... how, what these services mean. And what they meaningfully can be either
0: yeah, I think that's a a huge issue is uh, is voice of the of the instructors so the the problem nationwide though is you know it it's you're right that it 's exemplified by uh, a bunch of governors, especially here in the midwest um, but the, the nationwide it's less and less money for education um, on the state and national level, and what happens is then we have colleges resorting to hiring people on a part-time basis which is the crux of the problem because a lot of students don't know this when a student walks into a the classroom they just see they see a professor and they don't know they don't know an adjunct from a full-time professor from anything else right but then what they don't know is that a majority of the professors in front of the classrooms are getting paid very little often have to work at three or four colleges um, don't get benefits, have very little voice in what happens at the college or university um, and are pretty much invisible in a lot of, in a lot of respects. Right. And that's, that's,
1: yes, I, 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 I certainly agree. I, 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 I want to kind of push back a little bit on your idea of uh, that, of uh, that, there's a kind of financial crisis, and you used the word uh, that administrations are resorting to the hiring okay. of, of adjuncts because I, and I'm always pushing back on this whenever I, okay. I, I, I apologize, but the, the issue, no, no,
0: don't.
1: <laughs> the issue is this is a this is an old, old trend again. It's 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 forty and more years old the replacement of decent, reasonable, full-time faculty positions with uh, part-time or other uh, lesser types of positions. It's really an old process. It does have something to do with money, certainly, because, yes, it is cheaper to, to uh, hire um, part-timers, for instance. Certainly it is. But the idea that this is something that universities and colleges have had to do, that's the thing that I want to fight back against. Because, again, if we think about the history of this, a 40-year-old process, do we really want to pretend that for 40 years things have been so bad that we've had to have this kind of uninterrupted trend of replacement? And I think the minute you do that, you'll see that that doesn't really make sense to, to think that way. What's happened, I think, on the contrary, is that management in higher education, and again, not just in the uh, at the state and national level, you know where we're seeing uh, resources being withdrawn from public sector higher education, but in the private sector as well, basically managers administrators of higher education have made certain kinds of decisions about what they want to spend money on. Uh, And as they have seen savings really accrue from the hiring of what I consider to be essentially exploited faculty labor, they have gotten used to it. Mm. And when they have gotten used to it, uh, you will see these expenses on things like buildings and marketing and other kinds of non-instructional uh, expenses, they, they've gone up, including, of course, administrative salaries, numbers mm-hmm. of administrative positions, and, and so forth. So the way I think of it is not that we are fallen on hard financial times in higher education and we have to resort to the exploitation of faculty. I think of it as kind of the other way around. You know, Administrations have gotten used to this, they've seen a savings from it, and in their own competitive schemes, uh, they have used what I consider a kind of surplus that adjunct and contingent faculty are subsidizing to take up all kinds of other projects.
0: The difference between administrative salaries and and even full-time faculty is probably pretty large. Right.
1: Oh, it, uh, Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's, gotten, it's gotten larger and larger and larger. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that's about full-time faculty because their salaries, you see, yeah. they have stayed pretty flat, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. They sure have, yeah. I,
1: do, I I totally do not want to give the impression that anything I'm saying is... A, is I'm not picking a fight with full-time faculty by, by any means. They have suffered a great deal... Um, from the adjunctification of their own profession, their salaries really have remained quite flat, um, indeed, whereas administrative salaries, especially at the top, they have gone way up without any any question. And also, full-time faculty members, as they have found themselves a kind of dwindling minority, Uh, depending on the college and university, but generally throughout the nation, that's the case, as they become a dwindling minority. Uh, Not only are their salaries flat, but they find themselves taking on more and more uh, administrative labor because, first of all, they have to hire, every time they turn around, all kinds of temporary adjunct and contingent faculty and kind of keep their eye on what's going on there. And when they hire them, the adjuncts and contingents, they can't really rely on them to do the kind of curricular and committee work that is part of the normal work of keeping a university or college functioning. So that begins to fall again on on uh, on their own shoulders in those dwindling numbers.
0: Right. So it so it hurts everybody really. It, um, it's totally time
1: faculty. Yeah. It totally hurts everybody. Yeah. That's a big message. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 uh, I mean, the, I appreciate the pushback because, you know, I think uh, we all need to be educated on this. And I think you're right. It's been going on for quite a long time.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's the first thing, by the way, Eric, it's the mm-hmm. absolute first thing that our opponents will, will start talking about. Yeah. How can you be talking about putting this burden? On the higher education system at this moment where your country needs more higher education, needs to provide more access and opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, for desperately larger numbers of deserving students,
0: how can you come to us
1: with these problems?
0: Yeah, students are paying more and more in tuition every year as well, (laughs) right? Well, I mean, on, on top of it, you know. So, uh,
1: yes, but then there are these kind of strange, um, you know, distortions inside that picture because, after mm-hmm. all, uh, President Obama has just started talking about free community colleges, right? Right, right. yeah, yep. uh, and, um, you know, who can object to that on the progressive mm-hmm. side, right? C- certainly not me, right? Sam. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, where is the discussion actually of costs? Yeah. Not from a kind of right wing um, sort of automatic opposition to public expenditure point of view, but from the point of view of how are you going to support the labor that keeps these um, institutions, these allegedly extremely important social institutions functioning? Yeah. Where's that discussion? Um, remember, so there's some strange things in the rhetoric, in in the public rhetoric.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I remember uh, just as an anecdote, um, I was uh, part of the uh, bargaining committee for a graduate student union years ago at Wayne State University in Detroit, and they were the the you know the first line is always we don't have money, we can't pay you, anymore, sure, we can't you know, and no. we were looking through, we did a FOIA request, and we we're looking through the uh, budgets, and we found that the the budget for gardening, you know, like flowers, lawns and stuff, that the gardening budget <laughs> would have paid for, it was like, it was like five or six graduate students for a whole year, you know? It, was, it might have been more than that, actually. I don't remember the numbers, but it was like, it was huge, just the gardening budget. It was wild, you know? But then we got to the, you know, the president's salary and we were yeah. you know, kind of, our jaws dropped. We were like, we, what? So, yes. I, think, I, I think you're, I think you're right, you know? And I think that, to me, one of the biggest problems is that those in the industry are—I call it an industry, but you know, those in the in the profession—and
1: now you're calling it an industry. I know. I, I know. I can't really this just, is how the language works. I can't believe I just no, said people, that. To be honest with you, people start saying these things, and <laughs> right. before
0: you know it, you're saying that I know. I can't believe I just said that. That's so crazy. Um, I'll keep that in in editing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the people in the profession, like are, everyone's kind of vaguely aware of it. You know, and I think that the um, when it comes to full time you know full time faculty they 're aware and, and and the people i 've kn- i 've run into and the people I know in full time are, are generally sympathetic um administration not as much perhaps, but the people who are in the position of being adjuncts, which is the majority of the of of the instructional faculty yeah. um most of them feel helpless, they feel alone, isolated um, invisible, and you know it's you know I think there's a great opportunity for education here in terms of trying to lay out exactly what the problem is, how we got here, and then what what's the solution like what's a possible solution and you know I mentioned unions earlier, and I know that um people have different opinions of of unions and what they might do but you know where i work we have a very strong union for uh for our part-timers and uh it's been i mean we're we're better off than some than a lot yeah that's great uh, work you know
1: but can i ask you eric what is yeah. your sort of median uh price uh, per uh, uh, wage per course under uh under uh, whatever agreement you've got
0: yeah, so um, the University of Michigan is split up between uh, the Ann Arbor campus, which is uh, what many consider the main campus. Sure, it's the big, no. it's the big campus, that, and then there, uh, there's Dearborn and Flint campus, and there are different salaries for both for different campuses. Uh, where I am in Dearborn, we're looking at—I um, don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's between three and four thousand per course for four credit course. Right, mm-hmm. and we do have benefits we have uh health benefits um optical and uh some other things that I'm not remembering so which is unusual in my experience um in a in a part-time position and the other thing about us is that we are not like a lot of places are limited like uh, I've taught places where you're limited to two classes per semester so they don't they don't want to put you above half time because once you're above half time they have to then start giving you benefits But the lecturers at University of Michigan are allowed to to work more than that, Um, and we're called lecturers. We're not we're not we're not called adjuncts. Um, It's still it's a strange it's a strange thing because it's not like being an adjunct at other places, but it's not like being full time either. It's a little bit of both, you know. But um, right next door at the at Henry Ford Community College, where I where I've taught before as well, you're looking at about eighteen hundred dollars per class per semester with no benefits whatsoever and i think that's closer Uh,
1: well yeah i think i i think the uh the national median is just above three okay a or something like that per course and that's basically with no benefits
0: right right
1: Um, right and you know so it's certainly better to have four and, and some benefits but there are those and i'm one of them who I don't think that's enough. I think we need to really start thinking um, uh, in in more dramatic terms, which, by the way, uh, if you were to, uh, uh, for instance, search faculty advocacy campaign with 15K per course, you'll see that uh, the Service Employees International Union comes up. But actually, you can see it uh, that is being reported by the California Faculty Association, you know, Service Employees International Union has become, uh, I think, to the chagrin and uh, unhappiness of some of the older faculty unions, AFT, NEA, Mm -hmm. AAUC-affiliated unions, I think. uh, But they have been very active and, I think, very creative in, trying to organize and advocate for, for adjuncts. And my view about unions is that, you know, we, we live in a, in, a, in a mixed economy in this world. Obviously, in, in the United States, obviously the uh, membership in unions has gone way down over the decades. Uh, uh, but when it was up, as we know, it didn't just benefit people who were in unions. It benefited other people as well. yes. And so, uh, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, you know, comity person in this regard, whatever anybody's doing in any union or in any private initiative at, uh, in ununionized, uh, types of places, I, am for it. You know, pressure can come from a variety of places, but again, I'd urge people to look, um, uh, I'm just looking at the California Faculty Association website right now, and, uh Again, uh, as far as comedy goes, uh, you can see SCIU is uh, launching a faculty advocacy campaign that puts a $15,000 price tag for courses taught by lecturers, $15,000. I think, you know, uh, that's kind of shocking for us to think about those of us who've been making whatever 28 or 30 uh, uh 3000 or 3200 or whatever and even for you Eric who I guess making up to 4000 15000 gosh that sounds like a terrible uh, pressure you know to go back to the financial uh, aspect of things but in fact you know if you ran that through uh, the right Uh, calculations, you would see that that's beginning to be kind of pro rata pay, you know, equivalent pay. You and me and all the other adjunct and contingent brothers and sisters who are running the higher education in this country, we are teaching all the same courses, especially at the undergraduate level and sometimes even into the MA level. We're teaching all of the courses, keeping higher education afloat. We're not teaching different courses. You no, know, like correct. I, yeah. I, I, I generally we say that an average adjunct is getting paid only one third at the most uh, uh, of what a full time faculty member might be making for teaching the same course. And they're doing it without any any benefits. Right. But you know the student is pay- isn't paying more for it, right?
0: <laughs> That's correct. Um,
1: okay. So so what's going on here is the, is this or isn't this a market economy? You know, where you, where you get what you pay for, so to speak. Yeah. You know there are all kinds of strange, hidden, and lost, and and veiled costs uh, that are in in the higher education system, as everybody knows, of course. But uh, it's another way that maybe we can pique the interest of the public and some of our policymakers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very good idea. You know, I um, there's there's been a movement at U of M to try to get the lecturers on a um, par with the faculty. Um, in terms of pay per class. Yes, you know, pro-rata pay, yeah. Right, taking taking into consideration <laughs> that, um, you know, full-time faculty have more uh, service requirements and other things and trying to uh, compensate for that as well, you know. But, you know, mm-hmm. as far as instructional time, trying to get that, um, there's, there's been a drive at, at U of M for that, Um you know, how successful it will be, we'll, we'll see. But um, in our contract, I just looked up our contract. Um, as far as a, if you're working full-time, the full-time salary rate at Dearborn is $27,300 for a lecturer, one and two. We have different levels of lecturers. Um, in Ann Arbor, it's 33000 And that's, that's your base full-time pay. Um, most lecturers are not teaching full-time, um, but they can, you know but um
1: yeah they can theoretically depending on whether or not they're going to get the class assignments and so exactly
0: well. exactly yeah uh, which, which is which is another thing you know because you're part-timers are always on the uh bottom when it comes to getting uh assignments right they're the
1: quite right yeah, yeah. maybe um, we should take a moment to discuss that issue of flexibility sure you know uh adjunct and contingent faculty who can be hired on a very temporary basis, they have been very attractive, of course, to managers under the banner of flexibility, which they have also used the concept of flexibility to rationalize and legitimize what is basically exploitation. And what I mean by that is... When you ask administrators, why can't you give more job security to mm-hmm. adjunct and contingent faculty, they will say because they need the flexibility. Right. If you push on that a little bit, uh, what you'll see is that they pretty much know what the demand for uh, the courses are going to be. They, they really have a pretty good grasp on that. So. If you've got someone who's been teaching English composition or introduction to sociology or uh, uh, calculus programs, uh, uh, mathematics courses, these are like basic courses in, uh, in, in, in colleges. And if you've got somebody who's been teaching that same course for four or five years or something like that, they've always had enrollment. What is your rationale referring to flexibility for not giving them a full-time contract? What is the rationale for just hiring the, hiring them on every semester or even every year if you're lucky? Uh, but you see, the cry of flexibility is something else. I think it's imported essentially from the business world, mm-hmm. the notion of the just-in-time, you know, staffing. Uh, or a supply chain idea. Uh, And I suppose that makes sense if you're running uh, certain kinds of assembly lines just in time. But even in their own terms, they don't really require the kind of flexibility that they talk about when they're justifying the very, very bad job security uh, that we're faced with, that we have to live with.
0: Right, you know, and you know most adjuncts don't know what they're teaching until sometimes the very very last minute. Right, and um, absolutely. And you said earlier, if you're lucky, a year. You know, most of the time it's semester to semester. Correct. Um, You know, you don't get a year long contract or anything more than that, and um, it's it's like you said, just in time, which which is another part of the problem. It's not just pay. A lot of people want to talk about pay. Um, which is very important, obviously, but uh, job security, um, you know, it's flexibility for the college, but what about for the employee, right? Who has to decide whether to teach at a second or third or fourth college and has schedules to juggle, right? Um, It's, it's very, very difficult. And, um, and like you said, it's this, it's under this rhetoric of of flexibility for the college and for the administrator, but when it comes to the employee, you just don't know. You can't plan ahead four months. You know, in in September when you get your job assignment, you don't know in January what you're going to be doing. Much of the time, uh, for for a lot of people, and it's 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 uh, it's a bad situation. Now, some people, you know, every time I see this come up on. Um, Inside higher ed or in other forums, there's always somebody in the comment section who says, well, why don't you get another job? Why don't you just find <laughs> another profession? Like, How do you answer that?
1: Uh, well, um, yes, it, th- th- that does show up in, in the threads all the time. And I think one way to begin to answer it is that, look, actually, there is a constant demand for my skills. Know. I'm never unemployed. Right. And adjuncts and contingents, uh, you know, uh, again, as the majority faculty who are teaching really so many courses and in in many institutions, they're teaching almost all the courses, Mm -hmm. the fundamental basic courses in higher education. So why don't we we ask this question the other way around? Aren't they rational in thinking that there is a constant demand for their services? And if there is a constant demand for their services, why are there these strange distortions of that demand in terms of caps, you know, on on how much you can work in terms of the lack of any kind of evaluative process that can lead to uh, promotion, uh, the lack of any Notion of tenure or job security over time, which many people, right, even outside of the faculty, they have not tenure, but they have an increasing sense of job security as they, you know, become more experienced with a firm uh, and they stay with it and learn the uh, uh, learn the skills that are necessary within a particular kind of, of job no, the question really should be: Why is it that uh, adjunct and contingent faculty are denied the normal job culture and the normal uh, job uh, 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 security uh, that, that has been available to to others in in other segments of the economy? That's where I would start.
0: I think that's, see, uh, that's a ask, good place to start. If you ask start.
1: that question, then what? What your critics will have to do is they'll say, well, but you know, in the business world, increasingly, uh, people, managers have uh, tended to be looking for ways to hire part time and limited employment uh, employees and so forth. At which point you can say, well, if what you want is a kind of Walmartization of all of the labor force. In every domain, uh, including higher education, well, that might be what you get. Would you like that in um, in in medicine? Uh, would you like that <laughs> in your airline pilots? Which we, in <laughs> fact, have begun to yeah, see certain airline guess. pilots sleeping in their cars and parking lots. Yeah. How much of this do you want? Uh, do you really want that to spread? Uh, through, through the culture, through the population, in the name of things like flexibility and efficiency. Uh, and if that's what you want, you should be clear about what, what exactly you want. And then you have to come back and say, and then when you talk to younger people or people who are out of work and looking for uh, some educational possibilities and you want to talk to them about access and opportunity again, you're going to have to say your this access and opportunity is about uh, part-time jobs that are doled out or not at the convenience of managers who have notions about what will be flexible for them.
0: All right. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to address that. I think. Um, so we're, we're recording here on the 19th of February, 2015. And, uh, I know if somebody tunes in a year later because, you, you know, it's a podcast, you can jump in at any time. Unfortunately, I'm sure a year from now, most of this will still be true. Uh, but there is a group of people, you know, there's, there's a there's a movement afoot <laughs> uh, right now to, to bring some awareness to this. And I know we have to wrap up pretty soon, so I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about um, next week, uh, which would be the... Um, I think the 25th of February, there, there's a planned walkout day?
1: That, well, it, it's sort of, <laughs> the, the term planned um, <laughs> is, is very interesting. And yes. Uh, so, yes, uh, next week there is what I would call a uh, kind of grassroots uh, movement uh, afoot uh, to take that Wednesday, the 25th and if you're a, an adjunct faculty member, to, to walk out and uh, um, maybe wear a button, um, maybe get at a table with some, some, some literature, uh, just maybe stand on, on the corner, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and somehow or another draw attention to all of the issues that, that you and I have been talking about, um, Eric. Uh, and uh, there is an associated thing called, uh, called the uh, National Adjunct Awareness Week, uh, which, is, which is somewhat different. Uh, but I want to talk for a minute about National Adjunct Walkout Day, which if we were going to say it was sponsored, we would have to say it was sponsored by an anonymous person. Uh, because we don't really know, actually, who, start, who started this. Right. And it's a grassroots idea that is independent of any particular organization or union organization. Many of the uh, traditional unions uh, have uh, been very wary about the notion. And some have uh, warned their, uh, uh, their members uh, not to take part in it, actually. Uh, some have said, do not walk out, but uh, perhaps express your unhappiness in, in another way uh, as long as i have the microphone here eric i'm going to say please just walk out part time or, or full time <laughs> you know i would rather that you walk out there are some there are some legal issues in some places if you're a public employee for instance in uh, new york state um theoretically you're not allowed to take any kind of concerted job effort and yeah. i know that uh, professional yeah. staff com- uh, uh, conference of uh, the psc and other AFT and NICEIT affiliate unions in, in New York State, UUP, they have issued, you know, I think rather alarmist things, you know, don't, you know, you can't do this, you can't walk out, it violates the uh, Taylor laws and so forth. Uh, but my view is uh, the Taylor laws are about organized activity. And we can certainly say that the conventional unions have not organized this at all. That is, in fact, one of the problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because for a very long period of time, a lot of us feel, and I think it is becoming absolutely obvious, that the national faculty unions have primarily concentrated on preserving the job security and wage structure of their full-time members, which is understandable. But I think adjuncts and contingents are are now really ready to kind of claim their own place here especially as we have become the majority that's what national adjunct Walkout day really is all about
0: mm. um okay so you heard it here from Alan Trevithick. that um you know he wants you to walk out uh, i know that um, our, our our local um the lecturers employee organization it, which is an aft affiliate um is we're not Encouraging people to walk out. It doesn't really matter because we're on spring break, So, which I didn't even realize until a couple of days ago. This whole thing occurs during our spring break, so there's nothing yeah. to yeah, walk know. out of. So we, know, we, we, That's we're,
1: a problem, isn't it? It's a great <laughs> symbolic problem for thinking about the problems of organizing such a disparate bunch of people. You pick right. a day, which sounds like a great idea. Uh-huh. But some people aren't teaching that day,
0: <laughs> yeah, <we're not laughs> and you're on spring break. Yeah. <laughs> so spared, go out anyway. I've spared the uh, I've spared the decision, but um, but we are organizing. However, oh well, that's uh, great. An awareness week. Um, you know, you said something about buttons. We're talking about buttons, uh, social media campaign, um, thinking about uh, putting something in the student newspapers, things like that, just to raise awareness of the uh, the adjunct and part time issue. Um, at U of M, but uh, <laughs> I guess we didn't have to come up with a with a decision. Uh, strictly speaking, but but I, I know that if we did in Michigan, like in New York, it's also uh, I mean it's it's illegal for us to do a, a coordinated action. It's illegal to strike. Um, I, I don't know if that would stop everybody. I, don't, I just don't know, but uh, but it is you
1: know, in New York, it's illegal to strike. But on the other, uh, if you're a public employee, but um, right. on the other, that that doesn't stop uh, transit workers and right and others. I mean, I, I think it shows a certain level of uh, a certain lack of creativity, shall yeah. I say, to, to immediately uh, you know discuss. Uh, you know this as a kind of purely legal problem
0: i I agree completely Uh, let me also say
1: i'm an adjunct at fordham university which is a private university and uh uh, and uh as many adjuncts and contingents are and of course if you're at a private university you you may or may not suffer some consequences by by walking out but you're certainly not a public employee and so you're not under that kind of uh Uh, uh, you don't face that kind of problem. And then also, if you're at a private uh, institution that is not organized, I will point out uh, that uh, you as an adjunct are contingent at a private organization, especially under recent uh, decisions of the National Labor Relations Board. You as an adjunct are in a unique position to actually bring a union Presence into your private university, because that has uh, basically been held to be perfectly okay yeah. to uh, advocate for collective bargaining. If you're an adjunct, you know there's this other problem of full timers at private uh, places being regarded, ha ha, as managers. Uh, but this is simply not a problem with with adjuncts.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, personally i 'm hoping that you know a lot of good comes from next week. you know I hope there's some awareness raised, but ultimately it's 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 a constant battle and you know once once next week is over, we still have to be figuring out ways to to keep the dialogue going keep keep awareness going and 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 kind of create and maintain solidarity i think in order to to change the system, which as you pointed out, has been changing since the seventies, just in a much more accelerated form in the last decade or two. Right.
1: I, I totally agree with you, Eric. Yeah. I mean, this is just one event, one, one week, um, hopefully. And honestly, I don't, I mean, I'm just hoping for the best. I don't have a, a particular prediction. I know that there are many things going on throughout the country and also in Canada, by the way. And, uh, At the very least, maybe we'll be able to recognize other people, you know, throughout the country uh, who will have names attached to them. uh, And then that will be that will give us a foundation for for moving on with this struggle, which, as you say, has been going on a long time. But I think it's it it it's um, entering a new phase of visibility. And this is certainly part of it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about this. Thanks, Eric. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, same here. Uh, so again, we have Ellen uh, Trevithick uh, talking about adjunct issues, and uh, you can find show notes at ericmarshall.net. slash
1: Great, good to talk with you. Same here. Bye-bye now. Bye bye now.